Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode, we're covering chapters one and two from book two of Octavia Butler's Xenogenesis trilogy, uh, entitled Adulthood Rights. And this is part one, low. I'm uh, joined, as always, by my co-host. Michael Glinka. Hi, everyone. So, new book. I know. It's the moment, like, because the last uh, book's predictions for the new book were... Comp- I, I mean, I was trying to predict something, but as always... You know, you, you can't predict all those little details, but I'm really excited to read it. It's, I'm, I'm already like, oh my god, I want to read more. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so I suppose, like the the uh, the interesting twist, I suppose, is initially here we have a shift of perspective, right? We're yes. no longer kind of um, uh, in Lilith's head so much as uh, in uh, in our new character. Yes, yes, absolutely. That the new perspective and it's such a different perspective as well. Although how do you describe I mean, we'll have to go through the chapters when we go and that you it'll be visible how different it is, but it's just hmm. um so interesting because it allows us to look through the both human and sort of Onkali perspective in a way. Which is which is something yes. that which was something so bizarre, like difficult to imagine from the book one, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in in the first book of this, we, we get a really uh, good sense of the the alienness of the the cognition of the the Oankali because mm-hmm. we're seeing it from from Lilith's you know very human perspective, but now we have uh, a hybrid perspective, one yes. that is both human and Oankali. Um, so I suppose we should probably. Um, uh, do a little bit more on your prediction and then uh, to get into the summary so that uh, people have a, a, an idea of what we're talking about. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so in my in the last prediction I did for the, on the last episode on Xenogenesis to the last chapter of the book one, I said that in the first chapter we will be introduced to the point of Lilith's wire where she's nice and pregnant. And why by nice I mean you know in the late stage of pregnancy as uh, <laughs> I was pointed out that may sound a bit weird when I say that in that format. <laughs> um, still, uh, while being still on the ship, uh, about to give birth, or Achtes being pregnant and also um, um, about to give birth, and that's uh, when we will be introduced to a little new task: awaken more people and get ready to go to Earth. Which is not really in those chapters at all. In the first two chapters that we're going to cover today, completely, there's nothing about Liv's new task or anything. We we're not given anything more, any more information. And in fact, I think mm. there's no information Actually, whether we are on the ship or not. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Do we know what? Because uh, I I know where we are, but I can't remember whether or not you do yet. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think we have. Yeah. No, we are not. Okay, we, so we we're don't only, actually know. Yeah, we're only given the information. You no, know, like you know, there's some mention about humans and everything. Like you know, if if they will, um, you know, accept Livson or not. But like nothing else. Like th- that's it. We only have the perspective of the child. Speaking about that perspective, yeah. <laughs> Should we start? Because I mean, it's just it's just so tempting to just start talking about. <laughs> Yeah, we need enough context that people can follow. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, chapter one throws us a perspective of a fetus and then a child basically developing from that fetus inside of the womb. Uh, and from what we can guess, you know, get, 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 get have a proper uh, educated guess, it's Lilith's womb. We're 
taught, were given from the perspective of the child. That first there were sounds and tastes, then came touch, comforting. It it was pleasing, and when it disappeared and sometimes reappeared, um, the baby learned anticipation. You know that the, it was nice. It it wanted that that fell of t- of the touch. He, as we are told, he could sense changes within its own body, the baby's body, um, and the dual pain it was causing, you know, the development of the child's um, body as it you know, undergoes normal fetus development. Yet he was not afraid because it was meant to happen. Then the time came and he was propelled along in regular pulses until he saw light. It grew brighter and more painful, reached its maximum as the compression ended. No part of his body was free of the sharp raw brilliance. Later he would recall it as heat, as burning. Eventually the light muted, the pain subsided. A familiar touch was present, although not the same as before. Something touched his face, he turned mouth open open to take it and get food. He could hear voices and even distinguish individual sounds, although understood none of them. And this is where Lilith comes back finally uh, in the book. He's beautiful, Mm -hmm. one voice said. He looks completely human. Some of his features are only cosmetic Lilith. Even now his senses are more dispersed over his body than yours are. He is less human than your daughter's. The conversation continued then uh, with Lilith mentioning that the other persons, we can, I think, assume it's Nikanj. Assume it's Nikanj, yeah. Yeah. The people, in this case the Onkali, worry about the human-born males. But the problem, whatever it was, has been solved. The baby is healthy and his senses are normal. Yeah, so that's a you know a, a kind of surprising introduction to it, right? We get this this perspective shift and we see everything from this uh, this new mind. Uh, yes, that's uh, and also it's a an experience we don't normally get from other humans, right? Because we don't remember this. <laughs> no, nobody remembered this. That's the thing. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very surprising because it shows as if the fetus was already aware of its that it, it exists right the the conscience uh, consciousness is there although it's it's kind of it's it's hinted at that uh, there's some kind of retrospect in Aiken I think it's yeah that's the the name we have not mentioned it yet uh, Aiken's uh, uh, like recollection of this experience is kind of it's made sense of in retrospect to some degree yes, uh, like the, yes. there's the immediate experience but it, he he's it's sort of interpreting it after the fact mm-hmm. so i think it kind of it, it it gels with this kind of notion that they have of this um uh like genetic memory type stuff where they they kind of have almost like a a direct readout of their um perceptions kind of stored somewhere and then they can kind of go back and make sense of them in the same way that they can go back and make sense of the experience of past individuals with the genetic memory thing from the Oankali. So I think it, 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 it fits in that regard. And I also think that the book is a bit misleading um, in the fact that the time that passes, because in, he, he says, Akin, the baby, speaks of um, you know, body changes, changes of the body and the associated dual pain with it, right? Mm-hmm. It means that those the time the passage that over the like, it's uh, we are talking about months of happening of this happening right because mm-hmm. um you know it's we assume that this is normal fetus development that so Lilith has been pregnant for nine months 
uh, up until he was born. So assuming the, the gestation is the same, yeah. Yes, assuming the gestation is the same, we have like let's say nine months of the so within those nine months, all those things that like all those the touch, the taste, that that all those different senses that um, Akin start to perceive have been happening over. A prolonged time, but the book sort of crunches it in a way, as you said, it, it feels like a retrospective because it's almost immediate, right? Mm-hmm. And I think also the, I mean, you know, the, the subjective experience of time is somewhat variable, right? Uh, we we can perceive more or less time to have passed based on sort of oftentimes how much stuff is changing in that in in, in that period. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, some I mean, reference points. You know, memories so, work like that. You know, yeah. like if if mm. things are much faster in memories, but it's surprising because I had to look into what the real sort of development of a child's consciousness is. Right, that sort of thing, and I found several articles about mm. the fact that the baby, the fetus and the baby is actually mostly asleep during development. It's it's the consciousness is not developed there yet. Well, I, I think it, it, this comes down to a bit of a distinction of, of how we end up defining consciousness. Well, um, yes, but before we go into that topic, okay, what I mean is yeah, that yeah. The, the, the association, the 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 physical brain activity that was measured when, you know, um, f- images of faces, taste and stuff like that were shown to newborn babies and then um, and later stage on, uh, of, the, you know, late older babies, you know, several months old, hmm. it's was shown that the brain activity was not the same up until uh, there was no almost no brain activity in, in a way that a baby in later stages showed um, and we're talking about two to five months that's when sort of that recognition of things the self-awareness appeared after two to five months so yeah the, the sort of brain activity that's associated with brain awareness i think yes yeah, yeah I mean, or self-awareness rather um but uh yeah that's the it's the distinction i suppose between self-awareness and awareness um in other senses right because it's a mm, yeah yeah like the ability to kind of have a ability to experience something as a sensation in the moment is not necessarily the same thing as having um self representation yes um and and even actually so the the article that you mentioned there about the kind of activity in um i think it was a prefrontal cortex activity mm-hmm. uh, at the kind of 2 to 5 month point there are patients who have had almost complete resections of their prefrontal cortex who still have um, a, a reasonable sense of self. Mm-hmm. So there is a uh, there's a bit of controversy as to kind of what exactly constitutes uh, self awareness and whether or not that can be correctly mapped to particular brain regions. So it, it's kind of a it's an ongoing. Um, no, of course, yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand yeah. that it's such a. I mean, any neuroscience subject, whatever you mention something, is not going to be like we are talking about thirty percent accuracy. I would say this is you know this is me just throwing a number out there. But <laughs> the fact is that we like it, it is. I mean, specifically when it comes to um, specifically when it comes to questions of of how subjectivity relates to particular brain activity, it, yeah. it, it's a very difficult thing to do, especially when you don't have self-report yeah that's the thing we, we, the, we yeah. can't have a ba- we can't have a baby report what it's seeing and what it's experiencing and that's the problem but mm. when it comes to at least let's say an awareness of awareness of self sort of 
recollection and self-awareness that that's let's say that's the time when babies are starting to realize their own existence in a way obviously the before that obviously they perceive everything touch um you know taste and stuff like that mm-hmm. so there's a distinction between um like the, the ability to experience stuff and the ability to to model yourself as experiencing that yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah so in case yeah. of akin it's amazing because we know that um just uh, that you know onkali and um and lilith have eidetic memory so they remember everything so all those like those experiences that akin had in the womb and as it's you know as it was born and it's aware of those things it just shows that its development is much much faster compared to a normal human baby i would say i think yes uh, probably yeah although the, the kind of the, the retrospective component um i think perhaps makes that a little bit more plausible because it's, it's a little unclear if he has like um I mean, you get his first-person perspective, but you don't necessarily get a sense that he's like reflecting on it in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. You have the the record of the experience, and then the awareness kind of comes later. So that's what I was kind of alluding to with this idea of the this like genetic memory that they have as being almost like a um, uh, kind of a direct record of like the sensory inputs, and then they can kind of go back with a more conscious mind and interpret them um, as as uh, as though they were experiencing them more. Uh, at the time if you see what i mean yeah I, um, I do i do i guess it's it's because of so it's later on it, later in the next chapter it sort of talks about this but it, at this point it's sort of like feels like and the way it's presented it feels like akin was almost aware of things that were happening at the time right it's, it's just the way that the book was presenting it yeah yeah and i suppose it's a difficult thing to to draw a distinction between i mean, I mean especially I mean, even in human memory right like when we when we think about recalling an experience we, we we're not very reliably recalling it mm. and you know we're kind of you know reconstructing some compressed version of it by you know rerunning some stuff to produce a, a an output that you know resembles whatever it was that was going on at the time right we're kind yeah, of yeah. reconstructing the experience in retrospect um and I think we have a kind of a similar thing here. So it's a bit difficult to distinguish from the perspective of someone at a later time point, what is something that you had awareness of at the time and what is something that you have like a sensory recollection of. It's, it's a, a yeah, it, it's not really a, a, a distinction that comes up much in, in the human context, except when maybe you compare like what your memory of an experience was to what like a video or audio recording of the experience yeah. was. Yeah. And then you kind of, you know, you realize where the points of divergence were. I mean, that's the thing. Like we are very prone to modify our memories if somebody else, like for example, if somebody else involved in the memory says, oh, like actually it was more of like this and this. And you're like, oh, actually may that might be the case. And the realization that mm-hmm. one, either your memory is not perfect of the event or there are other persons that memory is also an imperfect and basically it has collated into this sort of bastardization of the actual event when yeah, in yeah. fact it's something else that happened and you, you basically can't uh, you basically can't touch a, a memory without um like corrupting and overwriting it yeah like whenever you recall something whatever you kind of recalled whatever you reconstructed during the recall process gets written down to wherever it was that the memory was before so you end up with kind of a uh, what's the, um, the, like the whispers game where you pass on the message yes, right? it yes, gets changed yes. a little bit every time <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but the thing is, is that I think also the book, the reason why the book put in this way is that to show how that Akin is already different than the normal human baby. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. This is to present that Akin is not the same as normal human baby as usually, you know, presented like, oh, we remember a flash maybe of being born. Usually people know them remember. The first memory usually is like when you're like two years old or something, right? That's the first, probably the furthest memories that pe- people can go uh, back in time, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if that's that's even pretty early, probably talking three, three four. Yeah. That's a bit more average. Yeah. yeah. So my first memory is around, uh, actually, no, well, kind of by relay, mine's around about two years, I reckon. That's because you're a genius. I remember Richard. like the landing. <laughs> On, <laughs> uh, I remember like the landing in the hall of our house in Scotland. Um, oh, really? Okay. I, I was we was I was only about two when when we left there. So that's but that's like it's like a static image of like the the carpet basically. But that's okay. about it. It's, yeah, I mean, so that's the and thing. after that it's much more. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. This is your furthest memory, but in here we have a full recollection of a child experiencing being born. So that's a complete different yeah. aspect of like this is it already shows that Akin is more than just human. Which is incredible. Like I mean this is so it's it's mm. it's really interesting because it shows also us gives a glimpse of what it is to be a non Kali at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And the what the subjective experience of having that kind of memory is like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going back to the, um, chapter, um, the conversation continued from, you know, um, that Lilith and Toys were talking about, like, the baby is more, even though he looks completely human, he's more than that. And Lilith, mm. uh, it continued, the conversation continues with Lilith mentioning that the other people, assuming Don Kali, worry about the human-born males, but the problem is whatever it was has been solved. The baby's healthy and his senses are normal. And Lilith then thanks for the first time to Nikanj that he made the baby look human so that she can love him. But Nikanj tells her that, that she'll continue loving her child no matter what because he is perfect and he needs all the love he get for whatever he will face in future. So that's where the chapter ends. And it's 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 an incredible because it, it's, it's, it was such a, like a quick punch in the face, right? You read it and you're like, wow, okay. So this is after, you know, analysis of the few previous book, this shows like, this is so much different. The first time we have a different perspective and the perspective is so mm. much more unique. Um, it was, uh, honestly, I want to read the rest of the book immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, yeah, it's a good start, I suppose. Yes. It, yes. <laughs> yeah. it's, I think it's, it's a, it's a short initial chapter. Uh, I think it's only about 650 words, but uh, yeah, good hook. It's a good hook. Yes. And it, it makes you think about like, the other stuff and how how would other development of the child is the like how human babies develop and when's the first consciousness and what's the you know furthest memory you have and stuff like that and it's just like and then you have this you know like a human onkali baby that can remember it's being being born even further it can remember it's it's like changes in the body it's just like wow mm. and we have some some little hints about other stuff like the uh the suggestion that the the other kind of human male Oankali hybrids had some kind of issues yes kind yes of hinted at yes there's there's some some there were some uh, potential problems that they had and i think and the chapter to actually go into more detail on that although not so much um but maybe i should go to chapter to prediction first before that and so there's one other thing though about the um 
the the point about um Lilith loving her child it's kind of implied that like the other children were less human in some sense or other children have been less human and so I don't know I don't know if this is uh I think we kind of get a suggestion this is not her first child um that's the thing right so she mentions mentions her daughters right um hmm. before that before Lilith on the earth she had a son didn't she before the war yes um hmm. so yes that suggests that she has daughters huh cuz i was i was reading this and i was thinking daughters i i remember that Lilith had a child she had a uh, she had babies before children but i couldn't remember whether it was a son or a daughter or whether there was yeah, more yeah she only had one son yeah she had one son so that means that it's it ha- she has daughters or um it the daughters could imply the children of Ahja and Dichan. Hmm, yeah, yeah. I suppose uh, the other daughters of the family unit, potentially. Yeah. But yeah, that's But yeah, just the, the kind of the, the suggestion that um like made human so that she could love him kind of gave me a a sense of the possibility of tension in the relationship between Lilith and, and other offspring of the family unit. Uh, or it could yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. I mean just trying to sort of, you know, pick up on things that are like seeds for future dramatic tension of some kind. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely this, uh, correct on this. Because <laughs> I was thinking um the in it is the mention of later in the next in the next chapter about the, the human the human children mm. as well. But yeah, potentially there there might be other children involved in this whole situation. That there might not be exactly as Lilith imagined. Huh. Interesting. I didn't <laughs> think like I, I thought about this, but I sort of I was focusing more on Akin in the first place than mm. thinking about that there could be other that that puts perspective a bit different because that means there more, much more time has passed than I, I thought originally. I need to go back to okay, the, I need well, to uh, I need to check the other <laughs> chapter that's um because I remember because uh, I remember But wait, hold on a second, because in the previous book in the previous book, mm-hmm. in the last chapter, when Nikanj drops the bomb on uh, Lilith, she's saying she's pregnant, and I think he suggests uh, Nikanj suggests that it's a boy. Um, you know, I don't remember specifically, but I, I don't, I don't recall it being gendered specifically. I think it was just a child, but I may be wrong about that. Um. I'd have to go and check. I'm gonna check now. <laughs> I don't remember, and this is really gonna bug me now. <laughs> no, you're right. You are now ready to have Joseph's child, Joseph's daughter. Daughter, I mixed the girl ah, to be okay. companion yeah, for you. There we go. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd missed that because yeah, uh, it's an expl. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, because yeah, girl, yeah. I didn't put those two together initially because uh, I, you know, we we get um. Uh, Akin sex as male, and previously we had daughter, and we get the allusion to to Lilith's other daughters. So yeah, so there we uh, go. It seems like Lilith has had other children. Yes, um, yes, yeah. So that's that shows that proves that Lilith's had a daughter, and it seems that there might be some something that puts a boundary between her and Lilith, the children and the the daughters and the Lilith, and it seems that they might not look as human as as Lilith probably originally wanted to. Huh, interesting. Mm. Uh, 
So the the fabric of the hints here is richer than I thought. Yes, it's <laughs> it's much it's much richer than you expect uh, you, you you thought, and I th- actually initially thought as well. Wow. Okay, this mm. is another bomb yeah. that I didn't expect to to drop uh, so early. Interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Oh my god, I want to read. <laughs> but let's go <laughs> let's, back. Uh, let's get into chapter two. Yeah. Then. Yes. So mm. I, my chapter two prediction was that we learn more about the newborn child, um, the perspective of the human on Kali baby, and the subtle differences between him and what a normal human child would be. And the chapter starts with the name. We know I am Akin, right? That the name that was given that we were talked, but this is the where we actually properly learn officially. He was given comfort and food, and through the body-to-body touch, he gained more understanding of the world around him. He could feel the sa- that some who touched him, um, that some of those who touched him, he could find fragments of himself in them. As the book says, he was himself, and he was those others, suggesting that Onkali, you know, that he could sense the Onkali's um, genetics, that, he, that part of him in them. Yeah, it's interesting because it, that uh, the the sense of of being able to uh, detect fragments of himself in the others—that's a really interesting way of putting it. But yeah, it feels uh, it feels very much like he's kind of getting a, an initial handle on his kind of like genetic sense. Yes, yes, and then you know, the chapter goes on and with his he started attaching voices to pe- people within days of his birth. And he had learned his own name. Surprisingly, he could say it out loud very quickly. And so the others started to teach him their names. Nikanj Oan, Lilith Mother, Ajasti, and Dichan Ishlim. And the one who never mm. came, but Nikanj taught him the touch, taste, and smell of his father, Joseph. Um, so interesting. Ajasti mm. and Dichan Ishlim. So that's what should that suggest that like auntie, uncle? Or was like second um, mother, second father. Yeah, I suppose the. I mean, they may have specific, like non-translatable terms directly because of the way that their you know the Oankali family structure works yeah. with. But yeah, yeah, I suppose something to that effect. Uh, Auntie uncle is probably like the the closest match we'd have potentially. I, but I I just thought it was interesting that they gave us the more, um, and Owen of course the the the, the Uloi. But the name of the, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the Oan was uh, used before in the previous book, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, I think we've seen that one used before. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. and the it is interesting that he can um, speak aloud this early because you know, babies normally, you know, the kind of the soft palate's not like you know quite formed right for really doing much enunciation. Yes, uh, yes. So it's. Uh, but that's the thing. Later in the book, mm. it says that he already had teeth when he was born, so meaning the development was much mm. faster compared to a um, mm-hmm. normal human baby. But anyway, we'll get to it. Um, he then called out at some point to his father, but Nikanj told him that he's dead, gone away, not coming back. But he was part of Akin. And two months passed, and Akin was already able to put simple sentences together. I mean, like, come on, this is, like, incredible. We are talking about a few months yeah, old very fast. child to be able to put sen- simple sentences. He was learning fast and wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. Just before we do that, um, I just wanted to uh, reflect briefly on the fact that, uh, like, um, Nikanj is able to reproduce the the taste and smell of Joseph. Yes, yes. Which is an, an interesting capability. It's 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 interesting because one, he could preserve Joseph's sperm for some time in his own body, and now he can actually reproduce the taste, smell, and um, touch of what Joseph was like. Mm. 
I assume they have some kind of a that the thing where they have a print of someone. Effectively, I assume they can, uh, you know, um, take some of the uh, the things that that characterize a a, a person's unique smell. Yes, uh, some of the. I, I think so as well. Um, it's the genetic um, mm. imprint. I would say that Nikanji is holding to show what Akin mm. who who Joseph was, and that's the thing. He Akin was learning really fast and wanted to know more. And, you know, Lilith commented on the fact and how quickly he was learning. And as he was fed, as told by mm. Nikanj, he would use his tongue, his least, hu- his least human visible organ to study Lilith. Right? This was interesting. What really caught me that his tongue was the, his least mm. human visible organ. It says that he would not only yeah. taste the breast milk, but also her flesh. And initially, it was just the macro surface of the nipple of the skin, but by but with time, it was more in depth details. The cells of her skin, both living and dead, and that's what taught him what dead was. That the hair skin, the outer dead skin of the epidermis, that contrasted with the living flesh underneath. And his hmm. tongue was like the sensory tentacles of Achjas or Dichan. And when he tried to probe further by sending a filament of it into the nipple, he felt pain. Not his, but Lilith's. It made him scream and weep, and he refused to be comforted until Nikan showed him how to probe without causing the pain. Lilith described the feeling as being stabbed with a hot, blunt needle, and Nikan told her he won't do it again, and Nanki <laughs> never did, because he would share the pain he caused. Mm. And this is what's unusual, they say, that, that, uh, that he would not know for months how unusual it was for an infant to recognize the pain of another person and recognize himself as the cause of the pain. It is incredible yeah. because this is the first step, second step, I would say, that shows that mm-hmm. how different Akin was to humans, that his tongue could actually send the probe, whatever it was, looked like. Sort of, it makes me feel uncomfortable, but um, thinking about it, it's like, um, you know, those like animals that release those like tendrils of things. Ugh. Yeah, he's got, I think his, his tongue's kind of like one of those, yeah, like they say, one of the sensory tentacles. So it's, uh, it's yeah. kind of probably a little bit longer than normal, maybe forked, you know, like a wow. <laughs> little snake-like thing. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just imagine a normal child, but then like his tongue can open like, I don't know, alien, just like another tongue comes out of it. It's just something. Ugh, goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because it was. It says that it was his least human visible organ, and mm-hmm. which is very surprising because you would think that it would be his hands or something that would be more of the sensory organ like, um, right? Because that's where you know the the onkali. How did they have those tentacles? That's you know. But then again, hmm. I mean, I suppose they have it concentrated in the. Um in the the sensory arms or the, the sensory mm-hmm. tentacles but then there's the um their skin is kind of covered in those um like other tentacles that they also sense stuff with yes. right? so perhaps it's more like his skin is um and it does seem as though he has quite um kind of acute sensory awareness of stuff through his skin like the sensation of light and so on he seems to be able to perceive yes. light almost through his skin and yes. it's a yeah uh strange it is and imagine being able to f- that would be such a weird thing to be able to perceive, right? Like light levels on your skin would be a really weird sensory input. Yeah, I mean, it's doesn't it suggest like? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there are some people who have this sort of um, um, 
what's the word? The, the, the sensation that you can sense, like... I, I mean, in a way, you can sort of imagine it like like being heat, right? Like when you go to the sun and it's nice and warm. and mm-hmm. But it must be in a bit more different level, right? More detailed, specific level, right? Of, of uh, sensory. Presumably. But, you know, there is this... What's the word for the sensation where you, like... You can see sounds and stuff like that. Oh, uh, synesthesia. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. That must be similar to what he's experiencing, but in a more finer detail, a natural detail for him at least. Um, but that's the thing. Like later on, as the time passed, when he as he probed Lilith, he would perceive into like less and less cells, and few cells, cluster of cells, then single cells. Then he would look inside of the cells, the nucleus, then the chromosomes, then the DNA that unwind in those chromosomes, and the nucleotides. So he could already sense the the genetics of a of of another being, like the Onkali. But mm. there was something beyond the nucleotides he could not perceive, a world of smaller particle particles that he could not cross into. And I think this is where the boundary was for him. Like he could not perceive separate atoms, maybe, or the basic building blocks of what atom. Yeah, it seems like his, his sensory resolution kind of stops at the level of uh, of like individual nucleotides, which would kind of make sense from the perspective of um, like whatever sensory apparatus he has to to perceive stuff is presumably going to be limited to looking at like you know the individual mm-hmm. monomers of polymers in biology or detecting the i don't know like the the um chemical gradients and stuff but you wouldn't really be able to get anything more finely mm-hmm. resolved than that without going to some uh, uh some some non-real physics <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 pretty interesting so i thought that this this sort of boundary that he's hit that at that point is like cause there's something that he doesn't understand yeah it's kind of at the He's kind of like at the limit of resolution of his but it's, sensory But it's interesting because he can sense the different nucleotides, um, right? So it has to be sort of like a probing of the biochemical probing, like, you know, a a polymerase can detect, you know, what 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 sequence there is or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, there are molecules that can sense single atoms like simple sing, single hydrogen on a on an uh, on a molecule right a single proton and so it's it's it feels to me that it's an interesting um, limit i suppose it would be it, it, yeah i mean I, for me it made a reasonable amount of sense because presumably he would have to have you know evolved some mechanism that does this perceptual mm-hmm. work right there's there's some something like a polymerase or you know or a pore through which he can kind of you know feed a length of dna or whatever and get a, a, a you know an impression of what that is um as a as a direct experience yeah. but it, it wouldn't necessarily make sense to have all of the perceptual equipment to to, to you know to see all of the sm- smaller stuff than that right it, if in order to be able to do the genetic engineering you you probably want to be able to do this to to make to to DNA, but you, you may not even need necessarily to be able to perceive like protein structure directly mm-hmm. or any of the other, uh, that would be useful potentially if you were doing like engineering. But like at, at the the basic thing, you'd need something that lets you perceive genetic sequence. Yeah. But uh, and that, so that kind of it, it made it seemed like a reasonable place uh, to where you would find a barrier in your kind of the, the limit of your perception to me but it's interesting because if you think about it obviously this is now some hardcore biology we're talking about now for example the difference between <laughs> thymine and uracil 
is only a slight, slight change, yeah. right? So it's yeah. basically, so there is a limit that uh, Akin cannot uh, reach, but like the limit is pretty, like the boundary is very thin, I would say. Hmm. I mean, it's probably, it's determined in the same way that like the limit of, um, like a, a, a polymerase, right? It's a, you know, one of these enzymes that is, uh, for clarity, uh, reading the, a piece of the DNA and, and seeing which base is complementary to it, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of, it has this uh, ability to search for a base that will pair with the other one. And then you can infer what the state of the, you know, infer what the base is that you're looking at, right? By what, what it pairs with. Um, so that, like there's a fixed set of things that, that enzyme will allow you to perceive uh, because it's you know those are the things that can go into it and fit right yes um as it were so it, it kind of it like the the ability of the like particularly shaped cavity in the enzyme to distinguish what goes in and out of it would be like the limit of what you can perceive in terms of differences of chemical structure uh, i wonder i wonder how does the molecules that Nika, uh, that akin sends how what sort of inform like how what information does he receive like sort of like does it stimulate his nerves do they like i'm just trying to think of like imagine the biochemical cycle that's involved <laughs> in this yeah it's it, it, yeah getting from the uh that low level stuff all the way back up to kind of uh like subjective conscious experience of something that's telling you about that low level information is, is where it gets a bit trickier to, to think about what, what would be going on. Yeah. It's just, feels but, to me like... yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit back at the beginning of the, of the previous book, when we were talking about the kind of genetic sense and this, this idea that there would be something like the sequencing technology where there's some kind of, uh, there has to be some um, sort of input, you know, either like a and uh, some I mean output, mm. like sort of like you know uh, a a release of energy in some form of ATP or like um, you know pyrosequencing when you have release of hydrogen ions or something. Yeah, I was just I was just trying to imagine like yeah. you need like a some something like a voltage change across a membrane or or, or an output that you can detect in terms of chemical stuff that, that can then be detected by a receptor and, and amplified to produce a neuronal impulse yes. right it's it's the same kind of stuff that i mean very similar to the sort of thing that we do in existing sequencing t- technologies either with nanopore or with with polymerase based stuff where you're you're um either detecting like a change in a tension across a membrane in the nanopore sequencing you know so you have a piece of dna going through a hole and the the voltage like across the membrane uh, changes depending on what's in the, in the gap so you can kind of infer what the uh what the bases are on the the section that's in the that's currently tra- transversing the membrane but the um and then the, the alternative is like um uh sequencing by by elongating the dna so you're at your you're, you're uh, doing what the cells do you take a polymerase mm-hmm. and you add bases uh, and then you can get some kind of a readout normally we do it with fluorescence um, but that wouldn't really make sense in the biological context so you could do it with electrical impulses and you know so when when a particular base is added it produces a little spike in in the electrical current but you know you'd have to control which base that was to infer which one it was so you'd have a whole quite complicated um biological organ that was responsible for doing sequencing that's the thing and uh, it's just in the same time i was thinking about the fact that you know in the single cell sequencing when you analyze the cells you know a cluster of cells let's say um there is such Mm. a variety within the cells that like how do you make even sense out of it right do you know what i mean like it's it's the 
having two cells, the same cells, the same origin will have different stage of their like cell cycle or cell development or differentiation or whatever. So him probing into those cells is like a completely different universe. It's like looking in astronomy, looking mm. all those stars, trying to understand what's on that one star. And then you try to keep poke, probe more, probe more, probe more. And then you look into another star and you see completely something different, like a planet, whatever. It's just... I mean, I, I, I suppose it does depend on, on whether or not he can perceive stuff that's not just the genetics of the cell, right? Because if he's just kind of being able to read out the genome, then he'd get the same information from all yes. the cells that he's looking at. But if he can get additional stuff about you know what's being expressed and what the proteins are and so on, then it starts to be a, a whole universe of cells, yeah. as you say. So yeah. that's that's the thing. Like I'm just I, I'd be curious on how what what exactly is feeling. This is the thing. Like it's it's difficult to imagine and mm. to translate it to a power I mean, perspective. Yeah, so I kind of have this like mental image of just like a, a guy in a lab coat with like his tongue stuck out, like uh, with like a, an abnormally elongated like pointy tongue, just like licking a petri dish. You know, like okay, I can see there's this. Like imagine being able to like uh, do that and then like perceive the fact that you know this is. E. coli or whatever <laughs> just sat on this plate it's just you get like a really detailed mental image of what's going on in the the organism that you're looking at it's, like, it's really be super cool it'd be super cool but really weird to see like just somebody just, like <laughs> licking it and also imagine like imagine you have that all the information you do like normal sequencing right and you look at it mm. and you're something no this is wrong this is not what i tasted and it's just like people just sitting around you just thinking what the hell is he talking about <laughs> it's like what, what, what do you mean by tasted it it's just like mm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but let's go back i guess because this is um is it that, that boundary that we we were talking about just the, the, the atom boundary it's it, it hmm. frustrated akin in the book as the book says and we're told in the book so he shifted his attention to what he could perceive and he found that Lily's flesh was so much more exciting and interesting, much more than those of Onkali. There was something wrong with hers, frightening and seductive. It told him that Lilith was essential, but dangerous. On the other hand, Nikanj was interesting, but not dangerous. While Aijas and Dichan were so similar, it was difficult sometimes to tell the differences apart, tell them apart, because they were sister and brother at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. And as he was studying her, and he can't warn Lilith about it, you know, that he's doing it, but she was aware of it. She could probably feel it. She, would that, she mm -hmm. wished that he would nurse, just nurse like a normal baby, but Akin loved, you know, but it was what it was. And Akin loved to listen to those people talking So when he was, when he was nursed, so it allowed him to learn faster and learn more at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can certainly see, like, from Lilith's perspective, this has got to be a bit strange. Yeah, I mean, right? like, it, you got this. You know, it's just you have this uh, baby, you know, initially, like, you know, sucking on your on your tits, on your boobs to get the milk, and then you suddenly feel something penetrating your flesh. Things like, oh, okay, mm, he's doing this thing again. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, I've just got this kind of mental image of like this kind of abstracted expression, just like you know, uh, thinking about something and just you know, contemplatively e examining the the contents of his thoughts while he probes this. It's just like, yeah, it's just, it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, it just feels yeah. so strange. <laughs> um, but he had learned, as the book says, uh, he had learned more words than he had 
uh, yet had occasion to use. He elected war, collected words and gradually assembled them into questions. When his questions were answered, he remembered everything he was told. His picture of the world grew. And this suggests like how his memory was basically like what Don Kali made live, like the, the eidetic memory. He can remember everything and learn out of it, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And I'm jealous of it. So that's that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The conversation with Lilith Nick yeah. which continued then is Lilith was glad that at least he's not stronger or faster in physical development other than other children, except for having all his teeth already. And that's what I mentioned earlier, that he had already his teeth. Um mm-hmm. and Nikanj though argued back that there were some children before in the past between humans that were born with teeth. You know, it did happen, you know, it does happen. Uh physically though, he will look human until his metamorphosis. After that, he will have to find a way to avoid conflict. And Liv thought um, that human will resent him because he won't be fully human. They will hate him for looking much younger than he sounds, which I think it's pretty mm. valid point. You know, the fact that he can already make sentences with being a few months old is just already ridiculous in itself. Yeah, yeah, that would be a pretty. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture that again. You know, the the like having a, uh, f- a full fledged conversation with like a a swaddled infant. It's, it's like, like you know, imagine it's like, oh, hello, the greetings. It's just like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> it just reminds me of the mask uh, movie when um, the second one when the mask, the baby of the mask is born, and then like he's like, say daddy, mummy. Say daddy, mother. <laughs> daddy, muta. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's just, it just would be so... Like, I can imagine that for a lot of adult people would feel endangered in the way that their their, their intelligence is being uh, challenged. Well, I mean, you, you get that with just, um, like... You know, normal uh, kids, just like... You know, uh, ask- normal kind of... Uh, <laughs> Kids who have a certain aptitude for stuff. Yes. <laughs> Asking your questions like you don't know, but you feel like you're being beaten by a kid because they have knowledge. Yeah, no, it's understandable, but this it'd probably be even more enhanced considering it's like a, just a newborn baby. Hmm. And the thing is, this is where it is interesting because not only that they would hate him for what that he sounds younger than he is, like he sounds older than he is, but they will hate him because older humans were not allowed to have sons. And Nikanj mm. tells her that they will allow humans to have sons now. They feel more confident about mixing them. And this is where the book says, Before now, too many Uloi could not perceive the necessary mixture. They could have made mistakes and their, and their mistakes could be monsters. And this is where it's interesting. I, I It was hard. I mean, I think later on it talks about a bit, bit more about this fact, but that it's the human males could be mm. danger to the Onkali. But in danger in what sense? Like the male aggressiveness with the Onkali abilities, you no, know, like being stronger, faster, and more intelligent. I would assume that that's the sort of thing they're talking about, right? Yeah, it's the the kind of um, the same sort of disposition that uh, led to some fairly messy situations in the previous book, yeah. uh, coupled with the you know like the deadly stingers and so on, has the potential to be a bit of a. A threat, especially uh, if they would be stronger and faster, have regenerative powers like Lilith, and then they quickly, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the intelligence and the eidetic memory, you basically have a superhuman in front of you that's much mm-hmm. more cunning and you know can respond faster to you. And the first thing that people respect is power, 
and then there comes the intelligence and mm. you basically have a that in one human being so yeah i can see sort of why yep. why why would it and you know and then lilith says that you know those that some humans still think that those babies are monsters and when asked by nikan do you still lilith doesn't really respond and it's interesting because her answer like lack of answer with the what we just uh, what the conclusion we came with that she had daughters beforehand and now she has a son that looks Mm. like human and assuming that maybe they don't look like human that she is still unsure herself and you know Nikanj continues then saying that you know that she should be content because there was a group of Onkali that saying that there should never be human born male ever again you know we could construct female children from human females and male children of onkali uh, females we've done that until now and liv says that and cheated everyone mm. i just wants did daughters i want sons other people feel the same it's interesting because it, it does feel as though a little bit like um the experience the onkali had with the human males on the on the ship is coloring their perception of of males just a little bit yes there is a bit of prejudice against the males human males Understandable what Lilith also underwent, you know, during the training and awakening those uh, mm-hmm. other people. But the thing is, it's interesting because it's sort of, it's like, but the thing is, like, I just wanted daughters, right? It's suggested, like, the uh, Onkali couldn't have daughters. They had to have sons, right? So there's a control, not only of the I, humans, but also the Onkali. I assume that they're trying to maintain a sort of gender balance among the children and that if the human parents can only have um well if if the um yeah if the human parents can only have uh, uh female children then the owen Kali parents would have to have male children to balance out the numbers i guess so but in the same time it just sort of doesn't make sense i mean like you well actually maybe but then later on in the book it says a bit something different about this whole situation we'll get to that i guess so the book talks about says this i know and we control children in ways we should not to make them mature as onkali born males and human born females we control inclinations that should be left to individual children even the group that suggests that we go on this way knows we shouldn't but they were afraid a male who's human enough to be born of human female could be a danger to us all we must try though we'll learn from makin and yeah they were scared they were scared mm. of what the, the, the yeah. humans could do uh, concerned of a uh, concerned about an overly uh, human male child. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. And this is oh. mm-hmm. go on. And I think it's uh, yeah. I think it might be a, a reflection of kind of the the differences in the typical manifestation of male and female aggression, right? As a female male aggression tends to be physical. Yes. Uh, whereas female aggression tends to be more expressed socially. Yes, you mentioned that before. Uh, it's one of the, the other. Yeah, yeah. And so I think they they feel more equipped to handle the societal uh, the social yeah. aggression than they do the physical. Because I mean, it, they can be a, a fairly serious physical threat with Owen abilities, right? That's a and of course you have you know it, if it's a physical threat, you you might actually kind of directly end up killing people. But but uh, that's what's less so with a. But what's, that's what's interesting, right? Because Akin can taste the pain, right? That they feel the pain of the other being, right? You realizing mm-hmm. that that's what causes pain, right? It's usually what is enough for most people to realize that we don't want to hurt another being, right? And in the same time, like, it also suggests that why not just 
teach the human children from the very beginning, you know, like the living together with Don Kali, that it's an absolutely normal thing, right? The, like the sort of, I think it's the word that Lilith uses later, indoctrination, right? That, you know, if, if that's the yeah, situation. Yeah, so we do, we do get to that, right? So why mm. would it be a problem? Yeah, so maybe let's get to it and we can continue with the... Uh, so I think, yeah, that, that's, that's what Lilith wants, isn't it? She says that um, why not bring up the children with the and Kali? But they kind of they can't um, they can't do that when it comes to children who are uh, uh, born of the the humans who are kind of not like under the Owen Kali's influence, right? If they've got kind of like free living groups of individuals, they don't have a a high level of social control that they can use to to uh, sort of inculcate specific ideas in in the kids, right? They, they want it to be biological, not ideological. That's the thing. This is what's surprising because, like, Nikon says that it would be working blindly and they couldn't have trade. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, just because it takes a bit longer time to to develop this? And like, you know, people have done this. Like, cultures have in on on the on on the earth have done this before. We, there are countries that would invade other countries and assimilate them. That's what happened. Right, hmm. but this is—I uh, think this is where the the concept of Owen Kali trade is is super interesting to me because I think it, it has that uh, uh, implied within it is this kind of unity of biology and culture, right? That they, they don't want the the two to be independent of one another and, and uh, separable, yes. right? They 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 having a um a a functioning society that is contingent only upon a particular cultural paradigm is not enough for them, right? It has to be. Uh, a, there has to be a biological component that that holds them in um, in, in that kind of pattern of behavior. Because if, if there isn't, then they can't uh, they can't do the biological trade to have that characteristic. That's uh, no. I have think to, they'd have to do it only culturally. I, I agree with you. I think in this case it is um, particularly talking about. Uh, um, this fact that you know it, it is the genetic, right? The trade is genetic, and that's why, it, um, mm. in this case, it wouldn't be a trade. But uh, he also Nikanj also then says that you know, if they wanted to do this, they would have to take the children away from humans from the moment they were born, and that would basically mean that humans would be just kept like non-sentient animals just for breeding. And it's mm. you know, it's it puts in perspective that like. In a way, they don't want to do it, and it, this just makes Lilith sighs. It's like you know, she's just like she sometimes says the most awful things with the soft voice, and it's like your soft voice. And you know, she didn't ask if Akini mm. will survive around the human males because they will hate him. They will see him as a threat, understandably. Like I mean, he's more intelligent than them, or perceived information. And but Nikanj tells her that they won't hate him as he takes Akini from her, who gasps as Nikaj contacted with him through his tentacles. By the time Akin is old enough, uh, Nikaj told uh, that his body and his body reveals who he is. He will be an adult and he will be able to hold his own. Fight, but only to save his life. Um, he will be like Onkali-born male, a solitary wanderer. He won't settle in the farm uh, and uh, families will change. A complete construct family will be female and Ulo and children. Males will come and go as they wish and they will find welcome. Which is much different, right? I mean, uh, a certain point of human families, right? Because nowadays, like, it's said that um, more and more males are in are involved in the upbringing of children 
um, as I say, millennials are more involved than uh, in families than their uh, boomer parents right because in all the times and the father would go to work and you know bring money and while the mother would take stay at home while nowadays it's because of the economical situation that both parents have to work and both have to take care of the family you know children then just shows that there's involvement and here it says that oh that there's gonna mm-hmm. be a different right that the father that the males will actually be, be more like on Kali's a set a um solitary wanderers it's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's, it's a bit like the um, like elephant family structure, where you have like a a matriarch and wandering males, and kind of a uh, a family of of younger uh, elephants mm-hmm. and the female. There's a bunch of uh, kind of analogous collections of like you know reproductive strategy, but you know, humans in particular, we have very complex, convoluted reproductive strategies. There's a whole bunch of like so the for example like the male reproductive strategy um, and the kind of there's a complementary like male female reproductive strategy that's kind of affected by the asymmetry and how rapidly we can reproduce so you know like the limiting factor for how many kids you can have is uh, the woman not the mm-hmm. man um, uh, so there's kind of a the, that slight inherent asymmetry means that the 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 man has a has the, like the, the males have a slight inclination to to pursue both the long-term reproductive strategy and the short-term one. But there's also, there's similarly, a, a, a um, because the status differences, there are also reasons why the females would pursue a short-term reproductive strategy but with depending on the quality of the male that they're interested in. So you've got this really complex dynamic um, where like the, the males sort of try and pursue a, um, generally speaking, there's a, there's a pretty good incentive for pursuing like the, the, the kind of stable um, like uh, pair Mate, pair mate bonded strategy where you where you invest a lot in a small number of children mm-hmm. but uh because it's easy for males to make a kind of a, a small contribution and then leave if you are a higher status male with lots yeah. of resources there's a strong there's a stronger kind of um inclination to uh uh to have multiple partners and have multiple children with them because you can kind of spread your bets across a larger number of kids but similarly the um, like if you're a, a lower status female, there's a reasonable incentive to pair up with a higher status male because you can potentially get better resources and outlook for your kids by being a, a like a secondary partner to a higher status individual. Uh, so there's this whole really complicated like uh, dynamics with respect to social status and like the amount of investment that you can put into individual children um, that determines this kind of uh, uh, and you know people like the balance that people have between those two reproductive strategies it's a, yeah, a super interesting uh, com- set of complexities in human reproductive strategies um, that people have looked at through, through the kind of evolutionary perspective um, so now in this context right we've thrown this wrench in of a totally different like family structure where the reproductive rate is controlled by the uloi and they also control kind of what the level of genetic contribution is to the yeah. offspring and it's it really completely complicates and utterly changes like the the dynamics and the game theory. It's it's a real um, it's a real difficult thing to get your head around if you want to go through the evolutionary game theory for what the. Uh, I guess yeah. it's not only pursuing the female, but also you have to, like the Uloi has to also find you attractive in a way, right? It has to be compatible. With, you have to be compatible with now two partners, not just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a, an, another complexity. It's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. 
topic um and it it provides really a quite a substantial difference in what what we know of and what what will happen in future for all the onkali males or human onkali male hybrids yeah yeah it's not kind of immediately obvious to me that the kind of wandering between groups strategy is is the one that would necessarily fall out of this or the one that um I think it, like you you could make that strategy come out of it depending on what you depending on how the Uloi arranged things I think um for you know the, like the amount of genetic contribution and how many children and, and so on and and like the the need or lack of thereof to to contribute resources to the upbringing of the kids you know you, you could produce that dynamic if you wanted to but it seems like you could also produce quite different ones if you uh if you wanted to structure it uh differently so it seems to me, almost like this is a conscious choice for the the model that they want to have for the behavior and the incentive structure it's, for the uh, the human it's males. It just feels to me also that the fact that it's sort of like in some species of animals and uh, on Earth that you know, like mating with several males and then like like ducks, for example, I think storing sperm and then picking up like so. I maybe in the case mm. of like also picking the best potential genetic changes markup from different males by the alloy true, true. To, to, to sort of combine and produce even better quality offsprings i don't know mm, it's, it's, yeah, it feels it's, uh, to me like um, the whole system has changed and in a way that to and obviously the result is obviously to have the best offspring but now you also have the fact that there's an alloy that can modify and pick and po- like pick and match like candies basically from a shop like i want this i want this i want this i want this i don't want that from this so i'll pick the other from something else mm-hmm. right yeah yeah so the uh, i suppose the implication is that the the alloy for them it makes sense to pursue a, a, a promiscuous sexual strategy because they can pick and choose from the, the genetic material they mm-hmm. collect what they're going to use so like there are um certain birds that have a somewhat similar yeah Yes, strategy yeah. they have, there's this kind of the sperm competition where the like the the most effective sperm uh, ends up getting through to to um, the eggs so it makes sense to make with uh, a larger number of males and they kind of hedge across like the higher status males um, it's interesting I, I think this is so going yeah, to be a really mm, different yeah. aspect like I just I just sort of imagine it it sort of shows the diff changes on also of the societal society right because if that was like imagine the mm-hmm. world as if we had this sort of perspective right you have the uloi now there wouldn't be matriarchy or patriarchy there will be oligarchy oligarchy <laughs> yeah <laughs> uloiarchy whatever yeah, that is basically yeah. another version like basically that they are the leading sort of you know they they modify if we had normal world in this, this uh, if we had the world in this perspective, then there would be, for example, a, like in Gataka, uh, Gataka episode with genism, mm-hmm. where basically, you know, if you're an Olo, you're mm-hmm. better because you can modify and you're the leading because you're going to lead the family and take care of the family while the males and females are like, you know, you pick, pick them as like, oh, I like your, you know, like stuff like that, right? So it'd be, it'd be a massive shift of society as well. And it it, it should yeah, and also yeah. suggest that this a... might this, this shift in society might happen even in the Onkali perspective because, I mean, Uloi already are sort of in charge of everything, but in the same time it's like they said in the previous book it's a collective, right? It's not just Uloi taking uh, mm. making decisions. All the females and males also are involved in this, 
but now here we have sort of more uh, a mix of both worlds so there will be a sort of shift yeah so in terms of the the kind of like the reproductive power for the species rests very much in the hands of the uloi yes. right because they can uh, they they control you know what what the gene mixing is and and the the um to a significant degree the kind of um rate of reproduction so i suppose they need to some degree they would need you know the the consent of the um the partners to to gestate and to to provide the genetic material so there's a there's a certain you know balancing factor there but it seems like a lot of a lot of power rests with the uloi in i just system. imagine a um uloi yeah. in like in the human world that basically there are some people uloi that provide service for those males and females that just don't don't want like have another uloi in their lives just 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 want to have pair them and just always like yeah i can mix the you know i mean actually come to think of it relating this whole thing to the gattaca episode like we're, we're kind of creating technological uloi, yes yes right? exactly we're, we're, we're putting the 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 power to control our, our genetics and reproductive uh stuff in the hands of, of, a, of a, a technical capability Absolutely, uh, yeah. and those who are talking, uh, we're talking about episode twenty-five, the special episode. I would highly recommend watching, uh, listening to it, and watching it because it's amazing. But it's pretty long, but it's amazing. So go watch it, listen to it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no video. <laughs> I mean, because I say watch it because YouTube is the one. Watch the movie. Listen to watch our <laughs> website. Listen to the po- uh, to the podcast. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um. But let's finish of the chapter. Hmm. Yeah, this is this has got me wanting to do like an evolutionary dynamic simulation of what would go on with all yes, <laughs> like, like develop. I guess we could provide, uh, you know, do a machine learning and like provide certain settings to like how would the society look like. Yeah, <laughs> simulation of what <laughs> happened. Be interesting to see um, the results. But going back to the ch- uh, chapter, this is where it ends, saying Lilith then says. No, they will, after Nikanj talks about the wandering males, she, uh, Lilith says that they'll have no homes, but you know, sad that they'll have no homes. But Nikanj tells her that it would be a prison to them. They'll have what they want and need, but what about the ability to father their kids, right? Lilith asks. And to which Nikanj tells her that they might choose to keep contact with their children, but they won't live with them permanently. The trade is a change, not only physical. And he ends with the question. Do you think your children would only look different? That's where the chapter two ends. Hmm. I mean, we knew. Yeah, so that's, I mean, um, we knew the trade is not just genetical; it's going to be more of the societal and behavioral change. But like, it really hits a nail on this whole situation, right? People don't realize how much different it's going to be. But uh, this this strikes me as a, another possible um, strategic error from the the Ankali, though, because it's. Have it, you know, creating the structure with a bunch of unattached males like that that rarely goes well <laughs> i mean it's unattached males but presumably uh sexually satisfied ones but uh, yeah it, it kind of depends on and yeah it's a bit tricky but i mean like, it... having a bunch of them around is probably not good from a possible violence yeah perspective. and also That's, for the mm. fact is that some people i mean depends on how the human on Kali hybrid develop, but if they still have this sort of, you know, uh, but on Kali say they want to like remove that sort of territorial 
attitude from humans, right? That, that, you know, some humans, males would prefer to only have one, you know, stay with their families instead of like some males would prefer, to, you know, to just jump from the flower to the flower, as they say. Yeah, but I said that having, a, having strong attachments like tempers aggression and having higher levels of investment in, in particular offspring uh, like it produces, you know, you have something to lose, right? You have an investment, which is uh, you then have to yes. protect, right? So it, it, it makes you much more risk averse, which means you're much less likely to engage in, you know, uh, violent conflict type activities, yeah. which are highly risky in order to, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have that attachment, then the, like the, the riskiness of the behavior that you can engage in goes up, mm because you don't have as much yes. to lose so yeah yeah it's it's a, it's interesting and i think uh-huh. it'd be and this is actually brings me back i wanted to say about the the previous prediction i had said long-term prediction i think this will be one of the reasons why there's going to be a conflict between the human mm-hmm. males and these and the human uh, onkali hybrids because one thing will be obviously the, the alienness there's like you know these are like bastard children, blah blah blah. That's gonna be the the first issue. Uh, issue. And two, there's gonna the, the mm-hmm. change of that sort of like you know the male, the females, for example, let's say human female and the human uh, onkali hybrids, and for example, females not feeling like you know that that sort of jumping between female to female will cause issues between for the human males, and it's there's gonna be conflict. Additional to to what I predicted with the um, because of the hybrids' existence in general. Hmm. Okay. Um, anything a little bit more specific on that front? Because there will be conflict. No, no. It's in terms of like, <laughs> I feel like you know the fact that he, as if I could um, quote one of the most famous songs that out there. You know, Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, you know, just the fact mm-hmm. that there was a man who just came in and then like you know seduced the women right in the society and then just disappeared right that sort of it puts me in this sort of perspective that there's even though the, the reproduction is being limited to obviously to by the the uloi right but the fact is that there mm-hmm. could be societies of human males and human females but there's an uloi and there's gonna be a combination mm-hmm. of the and of course the other on kali and for example if there's a the human human on kali hybrid male that comes in and just like no has sex and then just disappears and then is like you know and steals let's say open inverted commas steals all the females right that there's gonna be Mm -hmm. there's gonna be a internal issue as you mentioned earlier about this whole you know this whole situation that would Mm -hmm. add to the overall discontent if you know what i mean yep yeah yeah So yeah, so overall a very yeah, very interesting start. Lots of uh, lots of seeds for for conflict. Lots of opened questions. Let's, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a on? lot of things happening. Um, that there's we were given a lot of information. A lot of things happening, and it is interesting uh, that where it goes next. Um, for me, just chapter three prediction wise is that we're gonna get more about. Akin, you know, developing what what his perspective. He's gonna learn more, probably more of the, like the he- genetic history of the you know, of the Onkali, like what things are. Hmm. But that's sort of like, and we've obviously we'll learn more from his perspective of how it looks like. But yeah, so one of the things that was interesting to me was that 
we don't get a strong sense of the the genetic memory, right? The long term genetic memory of the the ancestral mm-hmm. Oankali yeah. populations in in uh, Akin, right? We, we, it's not um, not something that he's kind of explored in himself yet, or, or so. It's I wonder if there's a degree to which they might be. Um, or to which they they can control that. I wonder how much uh, of the genetic memory that they they have control over when yep. they're reproducing. Perhaps they can endow you with more or less memory from the history of the species, and they may may choose to to give you more or less of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I just uh, I'd, uh, bring up that because we when we have this established thing in this universe of there is you know genetic memory that goes back uh, potentially billions of years and. We don't have that direct experience from from, mm-hmm. from Arkin of, of that. Just no, yet. absolutely. I I agree. It's it's interesting. I think so far the second book has is already more interesting than the first one. It's 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 amazing. Uh, I I want to read more. Mm-hmm. I want to le- learn more about this. What's going to happen next? You know, looking looking through Akin's eyes to his perception of things. I think the next few chapters is going to be like this, his development, you know, how how things are, his perceiving, maybe learning more about the boundary he reached and maybe Nikanj will explain to him more detail what it is. But I think that's that's what's where the chapters are leading to. Okay. Well, looking forward to, to getting yes, into more of this. Yes, me too. And I guess on that note... Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We can find all the places we upload our podcast on our website, zinatheist.com. I was Mike Glinka. I was Richard Acton. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>